pulpit, the word of God being proclaimed to God's people. So we come humbly, we teach humbly, but we also do that boldly. Now you walk that balance, right? You don't want to get caught up in the ego. You don't want to get caught up in pride. But church, as, as, as Paul's addressing the elders, this is something that we should all take seriously, men and women alike. Okay, we understand, we've talked about the pastoral office and what that means here as a church. Okay, qualified men of God, called by God to this work, but each and every Christian ought to teach humbly and boldly the word of God. And we pick up here in verse 13. It says, but going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Assos, attending to take Paul aboard there. For he, uh, for he so had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Assos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came the following day to the office of Chios. And the next day, we touched Samus. And the day after that, we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to set, sail past Ephesus so that he might not spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. So Paul's in a rush, right? We're coming here out of um, Paul preaching the sermon. He's taken off. It's his last night with them. Okay, so this is a little bit of context for you. So Paul doesn't have time to go back to Ephesus. Ephesus was a place where he spent an extensive period of time. He spent about three years uh, with the Ephesians. He's like, I, I can't go back there, right? They'll, well, I'll, I'll be there another three years. I want to be back by Pentecost. I've got things that i got to do. But it says in verse 17, 17, Now from Miletus he set sail to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. So he's about 30 miles south, so he sends to the uh, Ephesian elders, he, he sends for them to come to him because he's got some things that he needs to tell them. And it's his last words. So keep that in mind as, as we're progressing forth. Think about these last words that they're going to be receiving from Paul and how meaningful it was, not just to them, but church to us even today that we can remember these words. And church, if something were to happen to me this week, I pray that this would be ingrained in all of us forever. For the rest of our lives that we remember the words that come from Paul as I get to share those with us this morning. And it says, when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all what, church? Humility. And with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is telling them what he did. He's looking back to his life and he's saying, you all could see the life that I lived before you. Church, not just our words. What will people remember us in the last thing that we said? What can we leave? What can we depart people with? But how do we also live among our brethren? How do we live among one another? How, how did our, our actions proclaim the truths of the gospel? Paul says, you yourselves know how I lived. The whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia. And a little bit of background, Paul wanted to get to Asia even earlier, but it said the Holy Spirit forbid him from going. So this is a place that holds a special place in, in, in Paul's heart. And he spent Many years there, right? 
spent a few years just preaching to them and, and discipling them. Remember, and it's time, we, we read back in, in Acts just a few chapters earlier, Paul's time there was, was almost cut short, right? He faced persecution, and then they started preaching house to house. So he says, he says I preached publicly and went house to house to the hall of Tyrannus, right? When we, we go back a few chapters, we read exactly what Paul did. It says, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I didn't shrink. He didn't back down. He didn't shrivel up. When persecution came, Paul pressed on, teaching humbly and boldly. Church, this is the kind of thing, the kind of testimony, the living testimony of Paul that we ought to be giving to others, that, that when they look at your persecution and they see your perseverance, they push on themselves to the glory of God that that we're looking at this and we see oh this is Paul's life right he's not commanding that no you're right church he's showing it and it's a command through his actions and there's also plenty of other scriptures to back this up that we ought to be teaching humbly and boldly with all humility not not shrinking to declare anything that was profitable what does it say what does uh, Paul write to Timothy he says the word of God which is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correction, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work. And then he says here, he says, teaching you in public, right? Not, not shrinking to declare anything to you that was profitable. Testifying to Jews and Greeks, anybody who would listen, Paul is teaching. And what is he teaching? Repentance toward God and a faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits me. Man, I would have been like heading back into Ephesus, right? Like, the Holy Spirit's telling me that everywhere I go is imprisonment and affliction. But what does he do? He teaches humbly and boldly. And then he goes on. I'm, I'm going to skip down. We're going to come back to verse 24. On this idea of teaching humbly and boldly. Verse 26. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Church, this is so important that we're not just teaching a little bit of the Word of God, but we're teaching the whole Word of God. And notice what Paul says. Therefore I testify to you that this day I am innocent of the blood of all. What does Paul mean by that? It's an interesting statement. Simply put, when Paul stands before God, he's going to be like, I didn't punk out on anything your word said. I said it all. When persecution came, when, when people pushed back, I preached the whole thing. No one can stand before God, Paul is saying, and say, Paul did not share with me the gospel. Paul did not share with me the truth of heaven. Paul did not share with me the riches that are stored in heaven by faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is innocent of that. Church, are we innocent of that? Or are we teaching humbly and boldly the entire counsel of the word of God? Some of you all heard just a, a little bit ago in announcements that, that we're gonna get into the doctrines of grace and tulip and what's that mean, Calvinism, things like that. We're gonna go through manual, like, oh my gosh, why are we doing that? Because it's in the word, right? 
And it doesn't mean that you have to believe everything. It doesn't mean we have to align on on all the secondary issues. But what it means here for us as a church and the leadership of this church is that we are going to teach the entire counsel of God. Even when it's difficult, even when people are are looking at you cockeyed from the seats like, what's going on with this guy? Like, can't we just come here and just be happy all the time? Right? Can't, why does it just feel like Eminem's preaching to us? He's just mad and just spitting off the brain. He's just this angry preacher. I'm not. I'm happy. Why? Because Jesus has saved me and he's given me his word to get to share and he's called me to this position to share it and not to shrink and shrivel up. Church, our prayer should be that we stand before God one day innocent of all the blood. Of the blood of all. I mean, it, it's really interesting when you look at that. And you think, like what you have to had done to say that, that means Paul did not, not back down from anything. He shared the gospel. He shared the entire counsel of God. He shared the mystery and the riches of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It says, I did not shrink in declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I think about this back to even growing up. My dad's like, hey, you may look stupid out there throwing a baseball, but it's not going to be because I didn't teach you how to do it, right? I'm going to show you the best that I can so that when the other dads look at me, he's going to be like, I can throw a ball. <laughs> watch, watch, I can throw a ball. My dad used to always, always uh, mess with me. If, if my dad ever makes it here uh, to a service, you guys will have to ask him how many windows I broke before I could like really throw a ball. Every now and then I'd just get a little cocky and I'd throw it. And if you notice, my arm went out and it'd go to like my dad's Jeep window. And I remember my dad looking back and seeing that the one time and he's like, who taught you how to throw that? Because it wasn't me. I showed you, you take the ball back, follow through, right? That's it. He's like, I don't know where you learn. I finally learned, right? Still get a little cocky with the ball a little bit and miss it. You know, every now and then it happens. Even more so, church, with the word of God, we ought to be teaching it. So that the Christians that we're discipling aren't like the ball that goes sideways, but they're like the ball that follows the straight and narrow, which is only found in Jesus Christ and through his word. Amen? Teach humbly and boldly. Ephesians 6, verses 16 through 20. So think about this. These are the pastors of Ephesus, and this is something that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Church, the church he was preaching to boldly, He's asking for prayer that he would preach boldly. We ought to be asking one another, hey, I need prayer. I need prayer this week that I would preach boldly. And church, let it not be a prayer in vain. Don't don't just ask, when someone says, how can I pray for you? Don't just throw this out because pastor said it. Do you mean it? Because Paul meant it. He meant it. And it says that he didn't shrink from declaring anything. He proclaimed the whole counsel of 
God. Teaching humbly and boldly and sacrificing himself. Point number two. One of the things we have to do, we, we, we preach and we teach humbly and boldly and we live in a way that is sacrificial. Sacrificing ourselves, looking to, to others' interests before ourselves. Paul writes to the Philippians. We go back to verse 24 and 25. So Paul talks about, about teaching humbly and boldly. In verse 24, he comes here and he says, but I do not... I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom of God will see my face again. So he knows that this is it for him, right? But look at the sacrifice. This is something that they saw from Paul, but he writes down. He doesn't count his life as, as significant over others, right? He doesn't count it as any value nor as precious to himself, right? He's not prideful. He's not looking to his own interests. He's not looking to himself. But he's looking to, as he writes in Romans 12, to be a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable to God. It's our spiritual worship, Paul says in Romans 12. And here he shows it. He writes it down. It's not about me. He says, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And I was reminded of my selfishness this, this, this week. I'm going to keep talking about Nate because it's just so fresh on my mind. And I was thinking, I was like, man, Nate's 26, right? Man, by, by 26, I, I think, yeah, we had both of our kids, right? I'm like, man, I got to experience, Nate didn't get to experience that. Man, like it's been so long. I wonder if Nate got to buy a house. I wonder if, if, if Nate got to even buy his first car, right? By like that point, like we're just buying beaters until we can get around and, and get enough money to, to go and buy something that we can't afford, right? So we can throw it on a loan and get this high interest rate. But hey, we got something new. I wonder if Nate had all these experiences. And then I'm reminded that I'm not looking to the experience of life that I'm not looking for the next stage that the world tells me is a part of this life, but I'm looking to the ministry that God's called me to and he saved me to so that I can proclaim the riches of the glory of God to all creation, sacrificing myself, sacrificing my interests. He says, I, I don't count, account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only, Paul's focus was on the ministry. He says, if only... I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to do what? To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. That takes sacrifice. When you're, when you're dealing with life and you're thinking about what you're going to do and how you're going to, to live and, and be and breathe and, and all these things that you want to accomplish for yourself. That's not bad, but when our eyes are not focused on Romans 5:8, we will never sacrificially live for others for the glory of God. What does Romans 5:8 say? But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You want to talk about sacrifice. That's not dying for for your friends or dying for people who knew you and who already loved you. That's dying for people while they hated you and cursed you and did not know you so that he could save him to himself. That's sacrifice. 
Jesus didn't simply come for the world. He came precisely for his people to lay his life down so that they may repent and believe and be restored. That's sacrifice. And when we keep Romans 5, 8 in the front of our mind, not the back of our mind, in the front of our mind, then we can sacrificially live and serve others to the glory of God. It's not enough just to sacrifice for people, right? To just do things for them and like, ah, it just feels good. Saw this video and it was like, uh, it, was, it was talking about those pay it forward, like in like the Starbucks lines. Does that drive anybody else nuts when you, when you go to Starbucks and there's like 16 people have done it like in a row? Well, it does for me. And this video talked about it. Because he's like, he goes up and the guy's like, hey, so your order was already paid for uh, by somebody else who was to pay it forward. And he's like, oh, that's so cool. And it's like the Starbucks employee's like, yeah, it's been like 17 people in a row now. Would you like to keep that going on? He's like, why would I do that? And he's like, he's like, well, I mean, it's been 17 people in a row. And he's like, well, yeah, like, can we talk about it, though? Because that's kind of silly, isn't it? Right? Like, like, what if my order was $8 and the next person's 20 And then they keep it going, but the next order's 2 Like, how's that doing me a favor, right? Like, and that's the way that we kind of live. It's like those sacrifice, sacrificial moments are, are kind of focused on ourselves and keeping, keeping chains going. And it's not about, it's about keeping these, these chains going and, and serving others in a worldly way, but not in a sacrificially spiritual way. That is restoring people to their Savior. That the way Paul was living was pointing people to Romans 5.8 through the way that he was living. He says, I, I didn't count my life as precious or of any value, but if I could finish, if only, Paul didn't know what next turn was going to be his last. But he knew wherever it was going to be, he wanted to finish strong. He wanted to finish this race to the glory of God. He wanted to point people to Jesus. He wanted to see people through. Wanted to see them come to know. He wanted to see chains broken. And he saw that his chains were with the gospel, right? You go back to that Ephesians passage, we don't have to go back to it, but he says, which he's bound, he's bound to the gospel, he's bound to sharing, right? That's the way that we ought to look at it. We've been set free from sin, but we are bound to the gospel. We are ambassadors of the gospel. So we ought to be going and proclaiming it in a sacrificial way, counting others' interests more significant than ourselves. And as we do so, church, as we're teaching Boldly and humbly as we're sacrificing ourselves, we ought to be guarding the family. Point number three, guard the family. What I'm talking about is guard our church family. Those who are sitting in here, if, if you've been coming here long enough and, and you're not a member, come to membership class, take membership. It's a godly and biblical thing. You ought to do it. We can talk to you about it. We'd love to talk to you about it. We'd love to get you in here. If you are a member here, there's like 50 some of us folks, we ought to be guarding one another. We have to be looking out for one another. We ought to be looking out and making sure that sound doctrine's going in and false doctrine's getting way out, right? Getting out of dodge. We ought, to, we ought to be taking care of our family and making sure that they are not believing in anything other than the scriptures. This is so important. Look at what Paul says, verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Now remember, this, the weight, the weight of this passage is on the four men that raised their hand this morning. Because Paul is writing to the pastors to die. Paul is writing to 
for the flock. Look at that. Look at that. Now I don't have to yell. <clears throat> I don't, you want to talk about a, a gift from God, it's that voice that, that he's given you, Pastor Gary, right? And you just yell all day. I go, to, I go to like one of Luke's shows. I didn't get to make it the one last night. I, I don't have a voice for a week, right? And I don't even do much there. I'm just, if I keep my mouth open too long, the, the, the air will kill it for a week, right? The weight of this passage, church, is, is on the pastors, right? But each and every one of you ought to be looking out for one another. But the weight, the weight of this passage, look at what he's saying. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Now listen, if you aspire to, to eldership, you wanna be a pastor of a church one day, men, then there are qualifications, but there's also this big responsibility which we will have to give account to God for one day. So when it seems like the pastors are being harsh and, and man, like you guys draw lines in sand, it's because we have to give account to God, not to you one day. And that sounds so mean. Well, why don't you have to give an account? I'll give account to you, but I'm much more worried about what God thinks about what I do than what my wife thinks. I'm much more worried about what God thinks that I do than, than my, my good friend. I'm much more worried about what God thinks that I do than what the world thinks that I do. And that shouldn't come off as divisive in the church of God, amen? Like it should be something that we're all like, yeah, right? Maybe you're here and you're not a believer, you've not repented of your sin and believed in the gospel, then, then now's the time to do it, and then maybe it'll make sense because the word of God is folly to those who are perishing. But this is something that is of the utmost importance for all of us, but especially pastors. And look at what Jesus' blood paid for. And go ahead and get into the doctrines of grace. Which he obtained with his own blood. What? The church of God. And talk about the deity of Christ. That passage, verse 28, we could go all day. We could go all week. We could start a series on, on verse 28. We could talk about pastors watching out for themselves, for the flock, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is, is working in and, and calling qualified men to pastoralship. And then you see, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood, the deity of Christ. Anybody denies the deity of Christ, that means that Jesus is God, then look at that passage. Did God the Father shed his own blood, or did he sacrifice his son? Sacrifice his son. It says, which he obtained with his own blood. It never says Jesus. Does that verse say Jesus? No, it does not. It says the Holy Spirit and the church of God, usually referring to the Father, which he obtained with his own blood. The blood that was shed was the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. Verse 28 just wrecks anything that denies the deity of Jesus. It also wrecks a lot of different beliefs. Guard, guard the family. That's a big thing to guard against. Anybody tells you Jesus isn't God, you need to share the gospel with them. 1 John 4.1 talks about the importance of this. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. We tell and try and remind one another often, you guys gotta go home and, and read this. Literally what was read this morning. So verses 13, and we're gonna get through the end, 38, hopefully on time, but it is what it is. Go back and read it and make sure that what was preached this morning stands up with the word of God. If it doesn't, come talk to me. Rebuke me. Tell me, hey, we need corrections by next week. This is important. 
we ought to be testing everything that is said. It says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. That means be on guard, church. Not passively, but aggressively. Keep your eyes open, looking what is coming into our church family to divide us. What is coming in? Who is coming in among us to draw us away from the word of God? Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease, night or day, to uh, admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. And all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said it is more blessed to give than to receive. 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. Church, I, I, I mean, just to think about the times, right? Like, this was, this was not shortly after Paul went away. These things started to happen. But how much more so even today, we can see the reality of this before us. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Church, that's not just happening in the world, that's happening in churches today, where people are gathering and saying that they're worshiping Jesus without even knowing who Jesus actually is. Saying, yeah, we read this, but we never even open it. Saying, saying we care about this, we believe in the salvation of God without ever even opening the word to see what it has to say. Church, we got to guard one another from this. Because this is, it's not just dangerous, it's damnable. That people are going to hell because of the things that are being preached in churches. This is supposed to be the place where people hear the gospel. Sometimes loudly, sometimes quietly, but you're hearing it. And Paul warns, he says, there are gonna be people who come in and, and are teaching from the same book. There's gonna be people who, who are church hopping and just looking to see what suits their pleasure. If you're here and you're not looking to hear what we believe the Bible says, then this isn't the place for you. But if you wanna go on this journey of sanctification with us, church or, and, and visitors, we wish it said a lot of different things. We'd be lying if we didn't. Because what does this do? It tells us that we need to not give into our flesh, but need to follow God. We need to die to ourselves. Our passions, our desires, they need to die. We need to follow and pray for the will of God, not the will of man. So important. Paul says that these things will happen, and we see it. We see it every day. Ben, you can go ahead and come back up. Paul ends his time uh, with them, and it says when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them, and there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again, and they accompanied him to the ship. Paul goes off and departs, and that's it. They don't see him again. But what does he leave them with? He leaves them with what we ought to leave one another with, and I want to leave us with this morning. 
Church, fight the fight and finish the race. Fight the fight and finish the race. Teach humbly and boldly the word of God, every bit of it. And the parts that you don't understand yet, learn about. It's good. Why? So you have knowledge? No, so that you know about God and his will for your life. Sacrifice yourself. Count others as more significant to yourself. Not, not giving way for sin, not, not backing down, but sacrificing yourself in a, a way that you can serve them and proclaim the truth over them. And guard our church family. We ought to be looking out for one another. We'd be foolish to think that everybody here in this, this building right now, just in the sanctuary, that, that four men can, can know everything that's going on. It is each and every one of our parts to look out for one another, care for one another. That's an act of worship. If you all would, go ahead and stand. And if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, let me leave you with this. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that anybody who believes in him, repents of their sin and believes in him, would not perish but have everlasting life. That's what you need to be left with this morning. To those who believe, teach humbly and boldly, sacrifice yourselves, guard the family. To those of you who don't believe, repent and believe. Come talk to me. You don't, have to, you don't have to come and ask me for some special potion or power. Just repent of your sin and believe in the gospel. Come tell me and we'll celebrate that with you this morning. But you have to do that. The rest of this will not make sense to you until you do. And I would urge you, as, as Resurrection Sunday approaches, I pray that you would be thinking about these things. Be thinking about, about what Christ came to do and what he came to accomplish because there's gonna be one day when he comes again it's not as peaceful, right? He's coming back in judgment. And at that day, it will be too late. And to everybody here this morning, I can say before God that I'm innocent, right? Because the gospel's going out. Repent of your sin and believe in Jesus. Amen, church? And this week, let us go and teach humbly and boldly with sacrificing ourselves. Let's guard our family. Father God, thank you for this morning that we've had around your word and in the presence of you and one another. I pray that you would just continue to work in us and through us. I pray that you would use this body, your body, God, to, to build one another up, to go out and proclaim light over darkness. God, that we would push back the darkness in this town. We would care for one another. We would serve one another. We would, we would take the gospel out, not backing down. God, and we pray right now for the boldness that only you can give. We pray that you would give us the words to say. And I pray that we would say it with grace and with peace. And God, this week, as, as many doors will be open, as many people are looking to Easter and thinking about it, maybe it's the only time they think about it once a year. I pray that we would take that opportunity, that open door to proclaim the gospel to those people. We pray that you would do what only you can do, draw them to yourself and save them as we go out and proclaim. Father, I pray that you would just bless the offering this morning, multiply it for our good and for your glory. Pray that you would make much of it. Thank you for our church, family. I pray for the egg hunt this week, that that would draw people in and people would hear the gospel. Father, thank you for all that you've done and pray that you would just be with us this week. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.